Hello, everyone. My name is Caleb. And I'm Ben. And you are listening to Tribal Talk, a survivor podcast. Hey, Ben. Hey, Caleb. We had a really interesting episode this week. I thought that the edit was one of the best and most balanced so far, and that was probably because they spent a really minimal time at the edge of extinction. We also had some new tribal council music. I don't know if you noticed that. Additionally, we had some really good lines in the conversations and in the confessionals this week. For you, what was the best single line? Great question, Caleb. I think that the best line from this specific episode was every word that came out of Queen Reem's mouth hole. I think at the very beginning of the Edge of Extinction scenes, you have uh, Queen Mama Reem mentioning that karma is a B word. Then she told Kelly... Um, decided that it was a good idea to tell Kelly that she's mad. And she says, Kelly, I'm mad. I feel like my survivor experience went to crap because of you. And to which Wentworth has nothing to do but to say, I'm sorry. And then a few minutes pass, I guess, according to the edit, and uh, Wentworth is out sunbathing, and Queen Mama Reem shows up again and says, Hey, you've been out here for a long time. This sun is sure is super strong. And goes full mama. Um what what a what a what a contrast of feelings. So strange to see Reem uh feel one way towards a person and then literally a few moments later uh feel that maternal instinct that we know her for so well. Um, and then, of course, at the very end of the episode, we're yes. getting a glimpse of the next episode, <laughs> and you can hear, I mean, it's like the, it's gotta be, it's gotta be the first words that someone hears when they get off the boat on the edge of extinction. I bet she's waiting, because, you know, they go to Tribal, so they know that they're coming that night. Oh, yeah. You, you could hear him, too, at, at Tribal, saying, oh, it's gonna be a fun night on the edge of yeah. extinction, but she says, uh, she says... Listen, dude, you can bet your rear, <laughs> she says, yeah. you can bet your rear end you're going to get it tomorrow, just so you know. I like that she's still the official greeter of the Edge of Extinction, even though there's like so many other people now. She's like, this is my calling. This is what I will do. This is what I will be known for. It's unbelievable how maternal this person is. I love her for it. I love her for it. Yeah, a lot of people have been getting annoyed with her. And granted, I think that we used to be kind of annoyed with her. But I definitely have come to appreciate her because when the editors give us that signature Ream quote at the end of each Mm -hmm. episode, 
that's how I know the episode is finally over. That's how I know, at least. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> great. So the line that I liked was the moment that War Dog finally accepted that he had been voting out. You know, he just kept grimacing and like every time the vote count <laughs> increased, he finally gets voted off. He gets up, he gets his torch snuffed. He turns around and says, y'all made the right decision. Good luck, family. I love you. And I love that y'all made the right decision because they did. They did, and we'll get into that later. But I love that he was just like mm, a little, a little humble brag for you right yeah. here at the end. Before I go, you made the right decision because I was the biggest threat. And then a nice subtle, I love you. So now, <laughs> now we all know what it took for us to get some kind words out of War Dog, and that was for him to be voted off to the edge of extinction. And somehow, some switch was flipped, and now all of a sudden, he loves everyone. It's great. Loved it. So, Caleb, we saw uh, some great, great challenges in this last episode. Um, Very enjoyable. Aurora and Rick seem to have kind of an edge on everybody else. Who do you think is more of a challenge threat, Aurora or uh, the Kool-Aid man himself, Rick Devins? It is pretty clear that they are the two biggest threats. So I'm glad that we're comparing them and trying to figure out which one is better because... There has been six immunity challenges since the merge, and out of those, four of them have gone to either Rick Devins or Aurora. So comparing them definitely makes sense. I tend to give Rick a slight advantages because I think that as you go into the late game, puzzles are going to be more and more prominent. They're going to rely less on swimming ability. They're going to require less dexterity and and you know fine-tuned athleticism i think that aurora has showed that she's a very capable swimmer and she's very good at pure athletic challenges and also at endurance challenges but rick i think is head and shoulders above everyone else when it comes to puzzles yeah i agree i think um in terms of the question itself i think between aurora and rick I think it depends on the challenge, um, kind of like what you said. I think Aurora is faster in the water, faster on the ground, and she's more physical. So a lot of those endurance challenges, I think she's going to give Rick a run for his money for sure. But Aurora obviously um, has a problem with puzzles, much like I have trouble pronouncing her name uh, without sounding like Aura. <laughs> Devons is coordinated, right? We saw on the ring toss. Either that or he's extremely lucky, but he had a good strategy with the ring toss during the reward challenge. I think I think that gives him a lot of the edge um, that we wouldn't give to, say, War Dog. I mean, I just continually eat, eat crow on. War Dog basically looked like he was prancing into the reward challenge. Yeah. But he was basically invisible during the immunity challenge. Going back to something you mentioned previously, do you think that this is more evidence that War Dog was uh, throwing immunity challenges to prevent looking like a challenge threat? I can't think of any other explanation as to why War Dog would not only be poor at challenges, but be so consistently worse than everyone else by such a wide so margin. Bad. I can't figure out another reason. And he wasn't good pre-merge. He wasn't. Mm-hmm. No. He wasn't great at all. But he wasn't like this. 
not even close. And watching him during the reward challenge, you know, he was running off the deck to dive into the water and he hesitated and slipped and and kind of flopped into the water. (laughs) And then he kind of slowly swims towards the wrong deck on the other side and his team is is yelling at him, war dog, war dog, go the other way. I can only think that he basically was like, you know what, I'm clearly the biggest strategic threat. I'm going to have to do what I have to do to make this target smaller and allow other people to kind of take some blame. There can only be so many targets, and if you can make yours smaller, I think naturally it moves to someone else. So I think that may have been what he was doing. The one problem, which is what you pointed out last time we talked about this, is if he was doing this on purpose, I think he would have told us in a confessional. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense there, but man, for his sake, I hope it was on purpose. What do you think? So for Wardog to be pulling the wool over all of our eyes, I think it would have to be, you know, where where we all thought potentially that Philip Shepard was putting everybody on with his personality. And then he was asked in the the, uh, reunion show and he continued to act like a, 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 a dope. Um, but, uh, I, I just don't think this is the case. Um, if, even if you go back and watch the reward challenge, he slipped off the deck, he went the wrong way, but he still got up the same time that yeah, Ron did basically. True. So, I mean, I think a lot of viewers, uh, this season, especially see war dogs, kind of bombastic personality, you know, where he talks himself up, he talks in the third person. And the thing is, when you do that, you have to be able to back it up. And if you can't back it up, people are going to be all over you. And so War Dog's play left much to be desired in the social and physical category. So I think all of this roasting that he's been enduring all season long is, is warranted because of that. Because he has two major blind spots um, in his game. So, you know, you can get away with that as long as you're a nice guy. But, but you know, that wasn't the edit that he got. That wasn't sure. what he portrayed. I think he really showed us the difference between being a strategic threat and being a social threat. And I think in order to win the game, I do think you have to at least have some semblance of both. And clearly he was able to be strategic. He was far and away better at that than I think anyone else in the game. But Agreed. he so severely lacked the ability to emotionally empathize with another person and make things make sense to them in a way that they understood it. And he was having a conversation with Julie in this episode where he was like, let's go for Aurora. And she was like, I wanted to do that last time. And he was basically explaining his own thought process. And then he, Mm -hmm. at the end, literally says, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And um, it's like he's he's like really trying to figure out how to make this work for him. And he didn't know what to do. So it's it's a tragedy in my mind that he wasn't able to adapt to that next level of player where he can kind of incept his own ideas. He did it once earlier with Gavin and Julia, but he was just very logical with them. And I think late game, you have to rely more and more on relationships. And I don't think he had anything left after he had backstabbed Kelly and then by proxy, Lauren. Let's, uh, let's switch gears to another different style of play. Ron found himself, uh, the, the school teacher, Ron the school teacher, found himself in the middle again this episode. How would you rate his social gameplay? I think the fact that Ron was able to vote differently than Julie on the Kelly Wentworth vote and was still able to pull her back in 
and it wasn't even hard for him. I think that alone was very impressive to me. Julie even said that before that they had spoken that she still trusted Ron and still wanted to work with Ron. And that shows some growth on Julie's part that just being left out of the vote doesn't mean that all is lost. But I do give the majority of the credit for that alliance staying intact to Ron because he's been nurturing that relationship with Julie this entire season. And right. even when they've been on the outs, he's been the one that says, it's going to be all right. We're going to make it through. And I think Ron has every intention of taking Julie all the way to the end. He's also been super friendly and affirming to all of the suggested ideas that have been given to him. Case in point, Wardog and Rick Devins came up to him and were like, hey, we're the three biggest threats. We all need to stay together. If one of us gets voted out, we're all going to get voted out. And he says, sounds good to me, guys. Let's just stay together. And basically, he's saying yes to everyone, which right now seems to be working. He's been able to determine that that's a winning method at this point in time so overall i give him an eight and i only give him an eight and not a higher number because he hasn't always been super nice around camp we got a tiny little glimpse of him butting heads with aurora in camp because of the amount of rice that he wanted other than that though i think he's been playing really a very very good game how would you rate him I give him a solid B minus. Uh, yes, also an 8 out of 10. Yeah, uh, definitely eight, 8 out of 10 or 80 out of 100, 800 out of 1,000. Um, <laughs> okay, let's keep okay. this going. This is fun. <laughs> this is fun math. Uh, so obviously downgraded due to the same thing you mentioned. He has kind of a temper problem. I don't think it's just that one incident in confessionals you can hear gavin and aurora talking about uh ron's kind of temper tantrums he has when he doesn't things don't go his way essentially you know he's left to cook the rice by himself or whatever it is um but beyond that um i i I think at this point i think i want to i want to kind of take our minds back right to survivor south pacific uh, season 23, we've talked about it a few times. Such a season. good season. Yep. Yes, because it displays some classic uh, tribal strategy. Um, obviously, you have Coach Wade versus Ozzy, uh, Savai versus Opolu, and Cochran was on Savai, but was convinced to flip on his tribe after the merge and vote with uh, Opolu. Right. And he ended up uh, essentially choosing to be on the bottom of Opolu versus what he perceived to be, you know, he was on the bottom of Savai and he ended up being voted out eighth. Um, so the middle used to be kind of a terrible place in old Survivor, right? When Survivor meant tribes were strong. So if you have two tribes, six and six, they're going to be strong. You're just going to duke it out, you know, go to rocks, whatever it is. Um, now, if you're in the middle of that, that's kind of bad because whoever you flip for you're going to end up being number seven on that tribe. There's basically almost no way at all to to break up those alliances. Now, in the new game of Survivor, there are few voter blocks and even fewer true alliances. So when you have as many options as Ron has, that is a very positive thing because essentially you'll always have somewhere to fall back on. Um, and what Ron has been able to do, like you mentioned, um, that... Other survivors have not been able to do this season is build trust with the outcasts, right? 
um, with the members of the game who are considered volatile. So Julie and Aurora specifically. Um, he has been there to pick them up um, after every single tribal. And no matter what the vote was, you know, he'll you'll see him sitting there and either holding his head in his hands with them or just like, you know, being excited with them. Th- those are two votes, right? Every tribal that he has basically locked down that no one else is going to get. So Ron has found himself in what I think is a very, a very good position. So the question for you, Caleb, is this. Do you catch the vision? What vision? The vision from last episode that I mentioned. Ron seated in the middle with two goats, Julie oh. and Aurora, that he has led to the slaughter. You know, yeah, you were right. And it wasn't the kiss of death this week. You were right. It wasn't. And it wasn't. And I'm doubling down, which means, which means, Caleb, that if Ron is voted off this next episode, it is entirely the result of our podcast episode retroactively affecting something that happened six months ago. You I tr- are absolutely I believe it. Right. I truly do. Yep. That's the only way that makes sense. <laughs> we did see war dog voted off. Very, very sad. Our boy war dog. Ah, oh, war dog. And the only person that voted with him was Rick Devins. So it was a six to two vote. Rick Devins and war dog voting together. Everyone else staying together as a block. In hindsight, it's pretty obvious that Wardog should have kept Kelly around as a shield to yeah. make sure that he was protected in the short term. Did Ron make that same mistake voting off Wardog? So yeah, I and and uh, we argued about this last week. I still think that Wardog's move was the only way of getting Wentworth off himself. And he did say that. He said she had no intention of taking me to the end. He did point that out, and that was a correct rationale, I think. Yep, it's true. She could have looked like a hero um, stabbing him in the back at the very end and taking someone else. I think I, th- I don't think it was Wentworth's plan to take Wardog along, but having Kelly as a shield for him would have taken him further. I'm sure of that. Now, Ron did just make a similar mistake. Not the same, but a similar mistake. I don't think Wardog was a threat to win any immunities. So that means... If if I'm right about that, that means he could have voted Wardog out at any point at all. Um, so personally, I would have kept Wardog to the end and tried to get rid of Devons a little earlier, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yep. I I, I don't think uh, you sit Wardog in front of the jury. Not only are you going to win, but all the negative comments are going to be pouring down on Wardog, and you're going to get away from final tribal relatively unscathed Mm -hmm. um so not only that but during that move if you'll notice gavin uh and i think also to an extent lauren took credit for the vote um taking down wardog by their reactions in front of the jury and by the the reactions of the jury during the the episode i think they probably awarded most of the credit to gavin who who put wardog down just before the vote mm-hmm, and right. Lauren who, you know, Wardog had just betrayed her and Wentworth in the last vote. So getting Wardog out in the next vote looks like, you know, it's got Lauren's handprints all over it. Sure. So, uh, so Ron basically gained nothing with that vote. So I don't think it was the smartest move. What do you think? I think that he did move too soon on Wardog. 
And that's just because we've already determined that basically, as far as I see it, every single challenge for individual immunity going forward is going to be a factor of either Rick Devins, Aurora, or possibly a random third option. But the vast majority of the likely outcomes are Aurora or Rick, one of those two. And because of that, going forward, at least for for the next tribal, Ron really needs Rick to not win immunity because if he wins immunity, then the, the targets are going to shift from Rick Devins to the next most powerful. And we've seen this all season. The people this season are going after the big threats and they're going after them one week after another. Because of that, I think that if Ron is fortunate, he's going to be carried by some of the alliances that he's made and he'll be able to take out Rick Devins this next week, and then those alliances that he's made, he can fall back on and maybe make it to the end. I do think that Ron is in a very, very good position strategically, even after taking out one of the big targets, because keeping a shield around is risky because they're your shield for a reason, because they're a bigger threat and a more imposing person than you are. That's why they are a shield. So it's inherently risky. So I think time will tell whether or not this was as big of a mistake as I think it was. We really have no way to know in the short term. The other wrinkle in this is that keeping Rick around without War Dog um, basically removed any incentive that Rick Devins had to work with Ron. In the last episode, we saw that Rick Devins and War Dog wanted Ron to work with them as a power trio to protect one another because they needed each other around as each other's shields. Now that Rick has seen that Ron doesn't subscribe to that theory, he has no reason to work with Ron anymore, and it's very obvious to him that he's the biggest threat. So if he's fortunate enough to win the immunity necklace one more time, he's not going to be partnering up with Ron anymore. He's going to be partnering up with other people to try to take out Ron because Ron is going for him. With that in mind, I think it's important that we examine kind of the breakdown of the votes since the merge. So we've had six tribal councils, and in those, we've had a number of people that have voted on the right side of the vote, meaning they correctly voted for the person being voted out. With the remaining players from most correct to least correct, here's the breakdown. We have Victoria in slot number one, and she's been on the correct side of the vote six for six times. Then we have Ron and Gavin, who have both been on the correct side of the vote five times. Lauren and Aurora, who have both been on the right side of the vote four times. And then finally and last, we have Rick Devins, who has only been on the correct side of the vote twice. What about this breakdown is surprising to you? So uh, that's a fantastic question and some good analysis. I think if you examine the outliers, you will um, realize there's not actually much that's truly surprising. Victoria has the most correct votes at this point since the merge. And I think um, if you look at Victoria, uh, she keeps her ear to the ground, right? And everyone kind of sees her as a passenger. So essentially, she is, to everyone else, a vote you can use. And you can trust her completely to not only keep quiet about it, but also to say the exact right things um, both at camp and during tribal. Mm-hmm. Um, she is sneaky, sneaky, and you absolutely want her um, to be in with you because you do not consider her a threat. And uh, I think 
obviously she is a true threat and a genuine survivor. I can't wait to see what happens with Victoria moving on um, through the rest of the episodes. I think she's going to be at the end, potentially. So with Rick, right? Rick doesn't have a solid alliance. He Not only does he not have a number two, but he hasn't had a number two in the game since David was voted out. Right. Um, no one in the game wants to take Rick to the end because he talks so good. And he's just so gold-earned likable. David was his last and only ally. Um, and I think the reason for that is because David felt like he could take him in the final. I think David felt like he could out-talk Devons and take credit for the moves more than Devons. And that's why he felt comfortable telling him, you know, it'll be you and me in the final. Mm-hmm. So I think if you understand the ways that Victoria and Rick have been playing and the ways that they're being perceived, I think you can see why people want Rick to be on the outs. They don't want him to have more things to add to his resume, and they certainly don't want to take him to the end. I do think as the numbers get thinner, though, Rick's number as a vote will get gradually more and more important the longer that he's around. So. While right now I think they may still try to keep him on the outs, he may soon become an important vote in someone else's plan to get out someone else if he's the one that's immune. The thing that was most surprising to me about this breakdown after I kind of tabulated everything was that from what the show has shown us about the mindset of the jury, when the players walked in this week, they all kind of motioned to one another and pointed towards Rick Devins and said, he got it again, and they're kind of rooting for him, and he smiles at him, and they're all nodding, and there's some um, camaraderie there, I think, because Rick was on the edge of extinction at some point, and he has won individual immunity twice in a row. I bring that up to say there doesn't seem to be any correlation between who has been on the right side of the vote the most and who the jury currently likes the most, because, like you said, Victoria has been correct the most, six for six, doing awesome, and yet... From the jury's perspective, she appears to be a passenger in the last several votes. A very smart passenger, a passenger who knows where she's going and who's driving her there, but still a passenger. The flip side is you have Rick, who really hasn't been informed on the majority of the post-merge votes, and yet he's the one that's been most liked by the jury. So I don't know if the big moves survivor player is going to be as attractive to the jury this season as I previously thought, which brings us to our next question, which is, do you think that any of the Edge of Extinction players have a compelling case to the jury if they do make it to the final tribal? We know that one will make it back in, but if they are fortunate enough to make it to the end, do they have any kind of compelling case? So here's the thing about final tribal. You, as a jury member, may have someone that you like, right? You generally, genuinely prefer, um, but that doesn't mean you're going to vote for them to win the million Mm -hmm. and I will I can I can demonstrate that if we look back to survivor Kagayan where you have Wu who fatefully chose to take Tony Vlachos to the final two instead of taking Cass and even though people did not like Tony they respected his gameplay for sure and so they ended up voting almost unanimous unanimously for Tony and they stated that if if and this is this is taken with a grain of salt because it was during the reunion show but 
Jeff gave uh, a little hand poll. Raise your hand if you would have voted for Wu. Had he taken Cass? And pretty much everybody raised their hands. So I think if you take someone um, like Devins, who's well-liked and people are rooting for him, but he doesn't have any votes, right? I think that you have a good chance at swaying people with some with a good speech and some good answers during Final Tribal. Yeah. Um, now the problem with that obviously is that Devons is really good at speaking. Um, so I I think there are a few players that have played the game enough as well as played on the edge of extinction long enough to earn respect from both the current. Uh, survivors and the survivors on the edge of extinction. Mm-hmm. And I would say probably my favorite is still Aubrey. If Aubrey comes back and if she has enough in her to make a pretty awesome move, for instance, if she, if she votes out Devons, uh, if Aubrey comes back and votes out Devons, I think she is by far and away the favorite. The point is people can like you, but ultimately people have different reasons for voting for Sure. the the winner and those reasons vary drastically so it's very hard to predict yeah well i mean you have the example in one of the return seasons i don't recall which but you had wigglesworth basically saying i'm going to ask you the question that lost me the million in my first season pick a number between one and ten i think that was in second chance and all the players who made it to the end just had to pick a number between one and ten and if you were the right one she gave you her vote I think that she still ended up voting for Jeremy. I don't recall. It could literally be that again. And you're absolutely right. It really changes player to player who they vote for and the reasons why. If you had a Edge of Extinction return player make it to the end, I don't think any of them have the current case if they came back and didn't do anything. Like, let's say they came back and they were just a lampshade from when they returned to Final Tribal. None of them have a compelling case at this point. I think the ones that have a foundation to build upon and make a compelling case are David, Kelly, and Wardog. And that's because all of them made it deep enough into the merge that they have some votes under their belt. They have some alliances under their belt. And they can point to certain things and say, I did do this. I didn't do this. I think the problem with Aubrey is that she would have to make some crazy, crazy moves late game in order to make a case because she went to one tribal and was voted out. So she has really no case at this point. She has no foundation for a case at this point, in my opinion. Mm. And I think that the Edge of Extinction return player is going to be brought in at the final five or the final four, and that's going to, of course, add one. So they're only going to have two, maybe three tribals to make all those moves and really make that case, and I just don't think it's possible. With that, though... Do you think that there's a player who is clearly least likely to be voted out? Yeah, and I think it goes back to the previous question um, when we were talking about Victoria. I think Victoria is useful to everyone. And I think that right now people mistakenly perceive her as a passenger. Um, and they don't, that's because they don't understand the game that she's playing. Um, I don't think that she's made a lot of the decisions, but you can see her and, and Gavin, Gavin, especially this last episode where they've got a specific target in mind, right? They, and we see this in survivor from time to time where one person gets deadlocked. No, no, no. We're voting this person out, right? We've got to vote 
uh, for Gavin, it was War Dog. Yeah. But when he saw that everybody else, you know, no other other people weren't uh, down for that at that point, right? Um, they wanted to get Devin's out. And so you saw him swallow his pride and say, okay, it's Devin's. And that was a huge moment, I think, because in an instant, it could have been turned against Gavin. And that's what I've seen happen season after season after season is when one person gets a target in mind, you know, they're not flexible. Mm -hmm. But Victoria and Gavin have that ability and that keeps them from being a threat. And that's why I think that both of them are going to survive this next episode for sure. Um, Caleb, who would you like to condemn for sure to be voted out by saying that they are least likely to be voted (laughs) out? next episode i do want to touch on your comment about victoria not being a passenger i'm not using passenger in a bad way here i just am saying that she hasn't been the one that's been saying guys it's this person she was a driver once she was a pilot of her own game at one point in time back when she voted out aubrey and when they decided to vote for lauren and then when when they had the tie vote between lauren and wendy she switched her vote I think that those are all great moves. I think that she's shifted to being extremely good at seeing where people are going, making sure that it's not her, and then solidifying that result. Clearly, she's been good at it. She's been right six out of six times. I do think, though, that still means she isn't the one instigating those moves, and therefore she is a passenger. That doesn't mean she's not playing a great game. And she has lots of time, lots of time to build on her case if she does make it to the end and have a compelling reason as to why she deserves a million. As far as who's least likely to be voted out to me right now, I think it's pretty clearly Julie. And that's just because we're past the point where players who maybe are erratic or a little bit irrational in their thinking and their words get voted out. Those people get voted out typically early on in the game. Case in point, we have Reem who's voted out on the first vote of the season. Julie is the next type of person who I would put in that bucket and she's made it really far and I think she's been doing very very well and she's done even better since Julia has been removed from the situation she seems to have really grown into a more level-headed player even so she's not an enemy to anyone in the sense that she's not threatening because of that I don't think she's going to be targeted she also has Ron in front of her if anyone's going to target their alliance they're definitely going to go for Ron first so I think she's safe for quite a while I would say probably if she has another breakdown that that might seal her fate just because people don't want to hear that voice after they've been um, without food for so long. Um, People can start thinking irrationally. I would certainly want to bring her along to the end. I think I've said that before. Um, Julie has been um, a passenger, kind of a noisy passenger um, most of the game long um with a few bright flashes but nothing to win a million dollars with for sure so um i i think it would be irrational to vote julie out but then again that's just exactly what hungry lonely people do but with that i do think we should wrap it up so thank you all for listening if you can all leave us a review or some feedback on our page on apple podcasts or stitcher we would really appreciate that you can find us on twitter at tribal talk pod on twitter or at tribal talk pod at gmail.com feel free to send us some feedback through there other than that we will catch you next time thanks everyone